Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene in Cape Elizabeth, Maine. Download more sermons or learn about the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene at our website, capenazarene.org. Here's this week's message. Today is um, Sunday in the church where if, uh, if following the traditional church calendar, the church uh, focuses and pays attention to the reminder that we celebrate and worship God the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit in what is called the Trinity. This is Trinity Sunday. This is uh, the week after Pentecost Sunday where we have focused in on the Holy Spirit and we remember that the Holy Spirit is God. And this it comes a week after praying, as we have in our denomination, praying to God the Father for 50 days, asking that uh, the Father would work in our life and in our communities and would uh, uh, be aware of and pay attention to, and we would experience uh, His love in our life. And all of this, at least in, in our little church, a year after spending uh, all this after just last year, we spent the entirety of that year looking at the story of Jesus, the Son. We have spent a significant amount of time talking about and looking at and confessing indeed who Jesus is in our life. And I want to uh, share with you a passage of Scripture, and it's just a few verses. Usually, I'll read a a larger selection, but that's just a few verses, four verses that Jesus uses to talk about His relationship with God. And so I want to give just a little bit of context. Uh, In John chapter uh, 15, just before we get to this chapter that I'm going to read for you, uh, he uses a parable to talk about his relationship with the Father. And he says, uh, the Father is like uh, the vine keeper, the one who tends, and I am the vine. And so he uses this analogy to speak about his relationship to uh, God the Father. And as he talks about this relationship and, um, and how uh, uh, basically he as the vine is, is a way of saying that he is bearing fruit, that he is uh, uh, the uh, manifestation of the work and the desire of God the Father, the one who wants to grow the vine. But he says in that parable, you are the branches. And so he says to uh, the disciples, he says to the church, he says you are, to mix metaphors here, the hands and feet of Jesus. You get to also be a part of the bearing of fruit for uh, the work and the hope and the activity of of, of the Father and His desire. And so this is His parable, the vine and the branches. And He says, and this looks like love. He calls out love as the primary fruit. He calls out love as the practice with which we are called to do. That God, who has loved His creation, God who has loved His people, God who desires to redeem and bring them into His presence, we also are called to manifest this love in our world. And so this is why again and again the church uh, refrain is those two greatest commandments that Jesus called us to, to love the Lord our God with all our heart and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So this is John 15 going into 16. And and, and what he says to the church, he says, hey, the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit is going to help you in all of this. The Holy Spirit's going to come and He's going to assist you and help you in this mission of love. And He warns them and He says, hey, the world is going to hate you though. 
The world is going to turn against you. The world is going to uh, come against you. And, uh, but you are a people led by the Spirit of God called to love. And the Spirit who comes is sent by Jesus. The Spirit who comes saves you from sin and restores us to God. And the word he uses for the Holy Spirit is the Advocate. The Advocate. An Advocate is someone, of course, who says... You should be able to come. You should be able to enjoy the benefits of, of, of what it is that uh, you have, you're otherwise not able to enjoy. So I had uh, a cousin who had gotten into some trouble in his youth, spent some time in a juvenile facility, and when he had come out, uh, he got in trouble at home and found himself basically getting kicked out by his parents, and we brought him in. And my, uh, and my mom let him stay with us, and he shared a room with me for a couple of years, and uh, he needed to get back into school. And, uh, and so we asked if we, you know, he could come and attend the same high school that I did. And at first, the school said, no way. We won't want anything to do with him in our school. And uh, that, that was a flat-out no. And so what we did... My cousin had started going to church with us as he was living with us, and uh, his life was starting to turn around, and, and uh, the people in the church were impressed with him as well, and so we had a number of adults in the church who wrote letters of recommendation. My parents did as well, trying to get him to uh, get in. They, in a sense, they advocated for him. They said, he is someone who, yes, has a past, but deserves a place here within the school to be able to move forward and finish his education. And so in the same way, when Jesus says, oh, oh yeah, and, and, and the school relented, the school allowed, the school listened to the advocation for him and allowed him to attend with us. Uh, in the same way, when Jesus calls the Spirit like an advocate, it's his way of saying the Holy Spirit is at work in our life so that whatever it is, it might make us think, oh, I don't deserve or I, I, I shouldn't be a part of or I, I'm not worthy of what God wants to do. The Holy Spirit says, no, you are. There's a part of me that thinks sometimes the, the advocation the Holy Spirit does isn't just advocating to God the Father saying, hey, Let's forgive this person. Let's work in this person's life. I, sometimes I think the Holy Spirit works in our life to convince ourselves that we are worthy of the love that God has poured out. And so Jesus uses this to talk about the Holy Spirit. And then we get to where I am in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. Jesus is going to talk a little bit about the relationship now between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, starting at verse 12. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own, but will speak whatever He hears, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, because He will take what is Mine, and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is an odd set of verses. We kind of have to like 
chew on this a little bit. What is, what is Jesus saying here? At first, when he says the Spirit of truth is coming and he's going to guide you and, and he's going to speak everything that he hears, it's his way of saying the Spirit which comes from God, what, what he hears, what the Spirit hears, is everything that comes from the Father. And so there is this relationship of the Holy Spirit to our Heavenly Father. And Jesus then goes on to speak about what the Holy Spirit's going to do in our life, what the Holy Spirit is going to declare into our life. And he starts to talk in these weird kind of possessive terms. He's going to declare everything to you that's mine. And everything the Father has is mine. And this is kind of a, and I think a lot of times when uh, we think about what is ours and what is being shared and whatnot, that when we think of that kind of like sharing of what is mine, we, we think of someone who is very giving or someone who is very sharing as someone who says something like, hey, what's mine is yours. I, I'm willing to share everything that I have. Here you go. You know, uh, what, what's mine, you can have. Mi casa es su casa. My house is your house. What, what I have, you can have. You know, you, you can just, you just come on in. You don't even have to knock. What, everything I have is yours. That is the, the epitome of sharing, the epitome of giving. And a lot of times, uh, what we'll suggest is that, uh, or what you'll hear is that a relationship that's healthy, a relationship that's a, a nice kind of giving back and forth is, hey, what I have is yours. What you have is mine, and there's this, this mutual kind of giving back and forth. But of course, the epitome of selfishness is the one who says, what's yours is mine, and what's mine is, well, mine. That is the epitome of, you know, uh, of, of someone who doesn't share at all, like, like a toddler who holds on tight to what they have until they see that yours is better. And then they want yours, and they cry for that. You know, I, I want what you have too. But what Jesus says here is, everything that I have is going to be shared by the Holy Spirit and be given to you. And everything I have comes from the Father. Indeed, everything the Father has is mine. But I think a lot of times when we think of what's mine, even my illustration of the toddler, what we think of is possessions. And even if not something tangible to hold, we think of what we've earned respect, or honor, or power, or influence. We have what is mine that I've worked for, that I've been given, that that I've earned. What I have is what I own. And this is without a doubt part of the way the world works, and part of the reason why Jesus warns them that the world is going to treat them poorly and come against them is because when, when you have a certain amount of power or influence, it, it, it's a way of saying, hey, this is mine, or these are my possessions, or this is, this is my castle. No one can come in. But once someone transgresses those bounds, and sometimes they're intangible bounds of, oh, man, people are looking at you. People are taking away. People aren't looking at me anymore. People are looking at you. People are giving you the honor. People are giving you the fame. People are giving you the power or the influence. It creates a moment of, wait a minute, unsettlement. I don't like my new position. I don't like where I am now. And so when we think of what is mine, I think a lot of times we can't help but think that which we earned or that which we have. But when Jesus is using this phrase, I can't help but think Jesus knows he's on his way to the cross. Jesus knows at this point in the gospel that the betrayal is at hand, that he's going to Jerusalem. He knows that everything that has been ascribed to him, every, all, all the influence he has is being taken away. 
He knows when he says, everything the Father has has been given to me, that what it is doesn't look like the kinds of things we look at when we think of what is mine or what is earned or what I have. Because it is all about to be exposed and laid plain on the cross. Jesus here is talking instead about his relationship with the Father, his godliness. Uh, According to the early church, and now the early church, I mean like the earliest Christians who followed after Jesus and his disciples, who, who wrote about who he was, who wrote their understanding of what Jesus meant. Sometimes I like to go back to them because they would have had the closest to the same frame of mind as what Jesus would have had. They have, they're not separated by these 2,000 years or, or, or uh, their culture is much more similar. Their understanding of this passage when Jesus says that uh, the Spirit will share with you what is mine and declare it to you, and that everything that the Father has is mine, that He isn't talking about power over angels. He isn't talking about gates or keys to the gates of heaven. He isn't talking about His status as, as a Son of God. He is talking about His character and God's very self that has been shared with Jesus. This isn't a statement about power. It's a statement about who He is. And Jesus is saying, all that God the Father is has been shared with me. This is a weird way of looking at it, but He's saying, what the Father is has been shared with me. It's His way of saying He is absolutely close to God. I guess the way that would help me, has helped me kind of think of this is, remember um, the sacrifice series I did a few weeks ago? The whole purpose of the sacrificial system in our Old Testament wasn't just to get God to do things. It wasn't just, oh, we better sacrifice so we can get rain, better sacrifice so that we can have children, better sacrifice so that we can have X, Y, or Z. The sacrificial system was all about restoring a relationship with God and being able to draw near, being able to be worthy of being in the presence of God. Yeah, all the other religions around them had all their various gods that they sacrificed to to get possessions, to get things that they could say are mine. But in the Old Testament, the the sacrificial system is about saying, we just want to be in the presence of God. We want God to be pleased to dwell among us and to be worthy of that. That that, that for them, this whole system was about that relationship with God. And what Jesus is saying is, I have that relationship with God and the Holy Spirit is coming to share that with us. So when Jesus says, all the Father has is mine, he's saying, I'm able to be with the Father. I have a relationship with God the Father. I am close to him in everything that we do, we do in concert together. I want to, there was a very popular series that was out on TV for a long time that I'm sure many of us have at least heard of if you haven't seen. Have you heard of or seen Dancing with the Stars in the past? Right, where they get some people, some people, at least names that you would recognize, who have no business on the dance floor. They get them paired up with people who you would love to see that you could watch forever dance. And they try to see if they could get them to, to join and do these dances. And if they learn it well, uh, a lot of these dance moves, a lot of these choreographed dances are dances where you can't tell when it's done right who is leading who. 
right? Like we know that traditionally in dancing, the man leads and, and that works. But if it's done really well, you can't even tell that there is someone leading. It is so in tune. It is so working together. There, that was the word used. This, this dance was the word used by the early church to talk about the relationship of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to God the Father to, and the Holy Spirit. It was this weird three-person dance. This, the, the word for it was perichoresis, but it means a dance in which each one is involved. And, it's, and as much as we might say something like we pray to God the Father but we do it through Jesus Christ and we do it by the power of the Spirit. Or as much as we might say, God the Father's involved in creation and Jesus is involved in saving us and the Holy Spirit's involved in sanctifying us. The early church said, no, it's really all interspersed. They're all working together. As the psalmist said, we can say that there is that the wisdom of God or even Jesus Christ in body is involved in creation as well. That all of it, it works together. It's a way of saying uh, Jesus Christ is, without a doubt, divine with the Father. And so the question then for us is, well, this is all well and good, but what does this have to do with me? <laughs> this makes for, for, for a doctrine that's fine, but what does this have to do with me? And I can't help but think, if I go back to that Dancing with the Stars illustration, that without a doubt, we are to understand that if God is the primary dancer and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that He has invited us, as Jesus says in the parable of the vine and the branches, as the branches, He has invited us as people who have no business being on that divine dance floor. He has invited us to walk and dance with Him because He has said, this is my desire is to be with you. My desire is a relationship with you because I have loved my creation, because I have desired its redemption, because I have yearned for living and walking and being with my people. That is what this is for us. And so what this means when Jesus says, the Spirit comes to declare all that Jesus is to each one of us, He's saying we are receiving the declaration that the relationship that Jesus has with God the Father can be the relationship that we have with God the Father as well. That our God has said, I have loved you, I have cared for you, I desire to be close to you, and this is a promise that you can have as well. That the declarations given to Jesus will be declarations shared with all of His creations. Declarations like, this is my Son whom I love at His baptism. You're his child, whom he loves. Paul will say in Romans that his Holy Spirit will actually testify to our spirit that we are adopted into the family of God, that we are beloved children. Declarations like the resurrection, when the whole world rejects him and says, no, you have no place here, you have no purpose here, you are nothing. Yet the Spirit of God whispers, Yes, and the one who is crucified comes out of the tomb. And so also we are recipients of that declaration that no matter where sin has led us, there is the Spirit of God who says yes to us, who says, I want to raise you up and save you 
from that. We have in the the story of Jesus also the ascension, which comes just before the Pentecost that we we celebrated last week, where Jesus goes back to be with, with God the Father in the heavens. And there is indeed then for us the promise that we share in heaven. That the declaration that Jesus is holy enough, worthy enough, able to be in the presence of our Heavenly Father, so also by the power of God's Holy Spirit, we can be in the presence of a very holy God. That declaration is for us as well. And that declaration is not in order for us to say, oh, look at what I've got. Look at what, now that I've made it to heaven, look at what's mine. It's not a way of saying, oh, I got the keys to my heavenly mansion. I'm all set. Now everyone just leave me alone for eternity. I'm happy to be. No, it is, we have the privilege of being in the presence and in community with our God. It means our Holy Spirit is at work today. To bring us forgiveness. Not just forgiveness saying, okay, I'm good, I'm set, I'm forgiven. But a way of saying you are forgiven because you are empowered to, to, towards godliness. You are empowered to live the life of love God has called us to live. The, the term that we use in this church for that, the term that was used even in the early church for this, was sanctification. It's a way of saying God's Holy Spirit has worked in our life to so fill us with love for God, so filled us with love for our neighbor, that to to use the words of John Wesley, there is no more room for sin. There is no more room for godlessness. That we are so filled with the love of God that we want to uh, give our entire lives in obedience and service to Him. In the early church, sanctification means literally to be made holy or made like God. It shares the same root with things like sanctuary, right? Or to sanctify, to to make holy or to make like God. And their thought and their wording was, God's Holy Spirit is making us like God. But not in the kind of like cultish way, where you know, where you get a cult leader who says something like, oh, uh, uh, you know, when you die, you get to become a God. You can make your own world. You can do whatever you want. You can be surrounded by as many spouses as you want or something weird like that. No, 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 not like that. And not become like a God in the way of some of their religions where they thought they became stars, they became equal to God. No, to become like God is to become worthy of being in the presence of our Creator. It is being able to exist in the same space as our God. And that is a privilege that He he says we have because God's Holy Spirit is at work making us able to be with our God because our God has loved us and cared for us and desired precisely this in our life. So why Trinity Sunday? Why such a big deal for this doctrine? It's because the church is convinced that when it comes to talking about God in faith, that we're not just going to talk about the idea of God, we're not just going to talk about uh, what feels good as a philosophy, but we we want to see that there, are meat on, that, that there is meat on these bones. That there is something here tangible, something here that we can absolutely see is God's presence and work in our life. And what they found is that in Jesus Christ, they saw God. And they said, how in the world do we come to understand 
that this God has indeed loved us so much that He would walk and live among us. Indeed, that even when He's gone, God would say, I'm still not finished. That everything that He did isn't just going to be a model, isn't just going to be an example, but is going to be an empowerment to be able to live like that. The Holy Spirit is there to do just that. And it's my thought and it's my bet that uh, God's Holy Spirit is at work in our lives today. And that He is doing something to draw us and to help us realize that God has a declaration for us as well, just as He did for Jesus Christ. That we are loved, we have purpose, and God says, you get to come and be with the one who has created you just the way you are and cares absolutely for you. These words of Jesus are words that show us that everything that Jesus is is shared as a blessing to us as well. And we can be recipients of that. So I'm going to uh, pray for you here um, in this moment. And, and my prayer and my hope is that uh, as we bow our heads in prayer that we would, we would recognize that God just wants to be with us. And God wants to help shape us to to be the people who would be bold enough to love one another and to love Him. And that we might find that with this love that comes a freedom, a freedom to live unabashedly sold out to God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful today I'm thankful today that uh, your call to our life, your, your faithfulness to us, your desire indeed that uh, all of creation is able to be with you is a gift shown to us through Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray today that where we have recognized that uh, uh, you are too holy of a God, where we have recognized that uh, uh, this world and all that's in it, oh, it, it is a fallen world. It is far too broken. But yet you are a God who has never given up. And Heavenly Father, thank you for never giving up on each one here and each one watching today. And Heavenly Father, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would indeed speak into our hearts, declare to us Your love and Your desired relationship with us, the same as You have had with Jesus Christ. And help us, Heavenly Father, to accept that love and to live faithfully to You in response to your goodness and your care in our life. Thank you for the promise and the declaration that you will always be our God and we can be your people. Heavenly Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit.
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God richly bless you as you serve him today.